Hey everybody, welcome to the Those Who Do Season 1 finale. So yeah, you heard that right. This is going to be the conclusion of the first season. So season 1 was the first episode I did with uh, Killacam all the way up to now. And that's going to just bracket it all up into one season. And I'm taking a little break right now because I just got a temporary new schedule at work. And that should uh, last till the beginning of July. And then after that, I'm going to spend a lot more time on the podcast, filming for season two, all new guests, all new filming style, all new audio, all new uh, marketing. I just set up a budget and now taking bigger steps for the podcast. So that's kind of where I've been. I've been kind of incognito. But this guest today is very awesome, especially if you're looking into real estate in Louisville, Kentucky, because he knows a lot. So without further ado, and that was just a little bit of intro, kind of explaining where I've been and what I've been up to. Uh, here's Jay Pitts. Hey, I'm Jay Pitts. I am the broker owner of two real estate companies here in town, uh, Remax Premier Properties and Premier Property Management Services. They are sister companies. Uh, sales and marketing of residential and commercial real estate for the Remax office, and then management of real estate investment assets for Premier Property Management. Um, pretty simple. I'm a second generation real estate professional, grew up in a small town real estate firm. Both my uncle and my father are two of my mentors. Pretty much everything that we do is either kind of a direct correlation to something that they taught us or, you know, something that we've expanded upon here in the Louisville market. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. That's so crazy. And you didn't mention that you also run two podcasts. I do run two podcasts. I do. I kind of do a lot of things. I've been told that I'm the busiest person that yeah, real people estate. know. <laughs> so, Just unfortunately, being in the real estate, yeah, it makes you one of the busiest people ever. It is kind of And busy. you mentioned that you're the second generation. Explain uh, what that means. Yeah, so my dad's a real estate professional. He's a, a broker, property manager, auctioneer, builder, developer. So is my uncle. And so I grew up around the business. You know, for quite some time I thought I wanted to do something related but not the same. And that's just, I'm a self-professed, stubborn, type A firstborn. So uh, I finally got out of my own way after three or four years in finance and the mortgage industry and, and in banking and it went ahead. And oh, got so you started resting. banking actually. Yeah, I went, to, I went to work in the mortgage business first and oh, okay. did that for three and a half years, uh, mortgage and mortgage banking. And then I went from there into real estate. Is that a similar thing? Because they do commission. It is. It is commission only. It's W-2 commission. It's a lot more, it's a lot more like in-house, like uh, stationary, if you will. But yeah, it's, 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 it's way different and similar all at the same time. That's so crazy. I didn't know what's W-2 commission. Does that just so, so I mean how you W-2 commission is, no, you're not hourly. I mean, you, you only get paid what you, you know, what, what you, you know, whatever your commission rate is on the business that you close but um you get issued a w-2 and they withhold taxes versus being a 1099 commission salesperson in real estate where you do your own taxes you pay quarterly and then you know that kind of thing that's crazy so what's kind of the backstory of why because you went to bellarmine you just told me before um where, where were you going to school for bellarmine why did I go to Bellarmine? Or no, yeah, what did what was the What main? did I go to school for? Yeah. Uh, business administration. So, I, I went to Bellarmine thinking I was going to major in biology and go pre-med 
and ultimately just determined I didn't have the passion for it. And I, I wanted, I was more entrepreneurial. Um, not that not that physicians aren't entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I mean, running your own practice is a, definitely a business venture, and you know, and certain, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do at all. I mean, it's a it's a highly specialized skill with a business surrounding it, and so um, I just really felt like I was a little bit more entrepreneurial than I was passionate about seeing patients. So I never, I didn't make it very far. I mean, I registered for classes. I started and then ultimately shifted within my freshman year of college to just a business administration. I went to Bellarmine probably more so because I I had a a sports scholarship there. I played baseball at Bellarmine and I had a lot of academic scholarship offers as well. So I went to Bellarmine for a pretty good price. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what led me there. That's so crazy. So you did mortgage for a few years, and then what made you, I guess, because your family was into real estate, and then you just kind of got more into it? So I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after college while in college, but I so I got my real estate license right after graduating. I just didn't uh-huh. use it. And what I had done while in the mortgage business was I had helped several family and friends uh, with their real estate needs on a, on a part-time basis on the side. And I, you know, obviously I already knew, but I'd seen how profitable it could be for me. And I started investing in real estate at a very young age. Yeah, that's good. So, so basically I just ultimately determined I had more passion for that than, than, than for finance. Now, uh, when I was in real estate school, uh, our teacher was telling us about the funny real estate store, like of them doing listings and uh, funny stories that went through it. Like maybe when they're doing open houses, do you have any funny open houses listing or any stories at all? Well, I used to say, um, so, so a niche that I was in early in my career, because I I broke into real estate full time in 2008 into 2007 and the economy was really bad. And so I, I liquidated for quite some time, a vast majority of my business was liquidating bank foreclosures. So I, I sold property for the nation's largest mm-hmm. lenders. Um, I le- was able to leverage some mortgage contacts into getting those accounts. It's a very coveted position. Um, and I sold thousands of them. But I, I've literally seen everything. I've got so many stories. And that's why... Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, it's bizarre, some of the things that you see. I've... I've you know, I'll give you the most bizarre story. Yeah, I want to hear a bizarre that, one. That I, that I did not witness personally, one of my agents. So, you know, I'm a broker now. Uh, I have 40. huge. Yeah, I have 45 agents that work for me. And one of them went on a showing. It was a very large home, 5,000 square foot home. Jesus. They, they um, toured the entire property. Just so happened that the master bedroom was the last thing they went to see. Um, it's just kind of where it was located. They started off in the first floor and went to the basement, made their way upstairs, and it was a second floor master. And they walk into the master bedroom. And mind you, they've been in the house by 35, 40 minutes by this point. And speaking at full voice, and the agent walks into the bedroom. They thought it was weird that the door was shut because nobody was home. And they open the door, and as they walk into the master, there are two people in there. Now, one of which is laid out flat on their back on the bed. Oh, on top of the covers, completely clothed, but um, seemingly asleep, um, but laying on top of the covers. And the other is standing two feet on the ground, but bent over with their torso rested on the bed in a different part of the bed. And not really sure what was going on there. She, <laughs> she, she presumed that there was some drugs involved and they were high or passed out or something because again they've been in this house for 45 minutes 
and speaking at full voice and here are these two people which i mean they weren't deceased <laughs> and so so the the point is is something was going on that made them not hear them so they very quickly and quietly let themselves out of the property called the agent let them know what was going on the listing agent and still to this day have no explanation as to what it was yeah what do you do as a listing agent when that happens do you like i mean it's kind of like freak out You're a big like, a big part of what i do is teach agents how to have difficult conversations because you know re residential real estate sales specifically is a um it's a very emotional very personal very, very personal very emotional situation for people i mean they're at their most stressed and it's their most private thing it's their single largest asset so it's emotionally a charge for that reason but this is where they bring their kids home from the hospital this is where they you know propose to their wives or husbands and th their most private moments happen there so like y you're you're in some private territory and I, I teach agents how to have difficult conversations but there's really no way to do that other than to confront it head on be respectful but but confront it head on that's the weirdest story I've yeah got. now I've walked in on people smoking weed and I've walked in on people in the shower and I've walked in on you know people in in weird predicaments I've, I've had a closing at 9 a.m and i went through for a walkthrough at 8 a.m and they were they were cooking breakfast <laughs> like and, and they hadn't moved their furniture yet you're just like well, we, we're closing yeah. in an hour and my clients get the keys in an hour like what, what what's what going did, on here? what so they didn't move any of the furniture they didn't move anything they didn't get out until after midnight that same night and this couple was 75 years old and relocating from out of town God. so they had in the winter hotel what did they do i don't know what they did but they got out eventually yeah, I guess and they point, paid my client they paid my client some money because it was a serious inconvenience very but man that's so awesome that uh you went through mortgage to real estate mm -hmm. and then what made you want to start is the podcast was really just a recent thing so. so the podcast we started um a year and a half ago we've we've kind of you know our second podcast is a very new thing we're we just yeah, released which episode. I really like what you're all doing with that one. Yeah, yeah. We just released episode two. We're recording episode three this coming Wednesday. Um, that was out of the the feeling that what we had done for agents in our first podcast, because it's an agent face. It's called Resource Real Talk about real estate, mm -hmm. and it's agent facing. And so, as a broker, my function is a couple of things. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a salesperson. I still sell real estate. I still list homes, um, but I recruit agents to my brokerage. You know, I I train and develop agents into being more, you know, more effective at what they do. So I found myself a lot talking about certain things. And, you know, if you follow some of the, you know, the major influencers out there like Gary Vaynerchuk or some of those, they oh, talk yeah. about doc document versus create, right? And so I'm having these conversations, these these constant uh, discussion surrounding what it is that we do to be successful at real estate and you know really it was just a way to capture that memorialize it and then show it to agents that we either you know want to be a part of our operation right right or other agents that we just have great relationships with and want to learn something so I, I felt like I had a voice and mm -hmm. I wanted to share it that's what the original podcast was about the other one was born the new one was born it's called the our 502 podcast our 502 um that's just out of a love of Louisville. And really, I was about that was one of the questions. Like, what's your favorite things in Louisville? Because you went to Derby, right? I did. Well, I went to Oaks this year. I didn't go to Derby. Oh, okay. I went to Oaks. My mother actually walked in the Survivors Parade on Oaks. She had breast cancer. Was diagnosed almost a year to the day. 
um, it was like just before Oaks 2018. And so we took her to Oaks in 2018, just before she started her cancer treatments. And then when she, um, when she received word that she was cancer free, we entered her, um, we nominated her to walk in their survivor's parade and she had a lot of votes. And so we, we wanted to go and support her walking in the survivor's parade. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was good. Now, uh, our 502 mm -hmm. is more of like the businesses spotlighted. Yeah. And now do you think because you're a business owner, because it's a broker, you're a business owner running a business? Yeah. So it's a cool to get that perspective on what other business owners are doing. No, absolutely. And, and being able to celebrate local business leaders, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. influencers, et cetera, is something that I'm very passionate about. Being able to, to show... Um, show their successes, introduce them to our audience and the people that follow me, uh, I, th I think was something I was passionate about. And, and to be truthful, I mean, they have substantial audiences themselves, and so it brings some more spotlight to other, the, things that, the other things that we do. Definitely, and I, that's pretty much the basis of what I do, too, is interview entrepreneurs, and I've yeah. gotten to doing a podcast. I've gotten to meet just the coolest people in Louisville, and you get to really see how much Louisville is actually doing. Yeah. So many people are like, I hear people talking bad about Louisville and are like, but our business is like growing. And then with East Broadway growing yeah, and then Paris town coming in. Yeah. Paris town uh, point. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy development, you know, Southeast of downtown. That's, 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 that's kind of exploding. Do you do any commercial investing? We do some, we do some commercial investing. I haven't really done much convert commercial you know, sales and marketing. But mostly residential investing? Yeah, I own I own a f quite a few rental homes, rental houses. I, I, I prefer those to apartments. So I, I own quite a few rental houses. I I buy and renovate and resell so or flip, whatever you want to hear. I feel like it's got a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. but flipping, yeah. Flipping's got a negative connotation. Just there's but a lot of there's yeah, a lot of unqualified. Because it, it's a big thing. But oh, no, it's, it's great. It's a big risk, big reward kind of thing. It, it is a big risk, big reward kind of thing. I mean, uh, poster child for that right now. I mean, I've got two. One is sold, one is not. The one that's not sold is 699000 I mean, it's a pretty expensive property to be sitting on and paying interest on. But it'll go. It'll sell. We've got good margin in it. It's mm -hmm. a great house. Somebody will buy it. It's just that, that segment of the market's a little soft right now. That's crazy. And I loved hearing your market predictions for, I think you said the rest of summer or 2019. Yeah. No, the May predictions. That's what yeah. it was. <clears throat> and just being an investor, like you really need to like be in on that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Flipping specifically, you have to know in a mic, like, like the micro, you have to know exactly where the market's heading in the next you know, 90 days or be prepared to withstand any slowdown that you don't see coming. Rentals is a little different. You've got a little longer leash there. You can make some mistakes and still turn out well, because generally speaking, rents and prices tend to appreciate. So time will solve a lot of problems when it comes to rental property. Uh, flipping, you can get caught short really easy. Oh yeah. If you don't know what you're doing. No. It's pretty dangerous. Know. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that uh, people notice that how busy you are owning the business, doing the podcast, doing yeah. everything. Now, what's kind of like your morning routine or like a day in the life what's of a morning Jay routine? Pitts? Well, that's that's good. So, um, morning routine is different than a couple years ago. I have I have I have two kids and one on the way, so that's that's a big part of the busyness as well. Um, so I've got a six year old, um, soon to be seven. I've got a uh, one year old, soon to be two, and then like I said, one on the way. But since the second child. I have been forced to codify the morning routine a lot more. So I was always an early riser. 
Um, and, and I'm almost one of those people that is a little bit unique in that I can be very outgoing and very comfortable in front of a crowd. I've spoken in front of thousands of people before. It really doesn't bother me. But, um, you know, and I do thrive off that social aspect of what I do, but there are times where I really need to just kind of get laser focused on a specific task. That used to be my morning time. You know, I'd get up at 4.35 a.m., And I'd get two to three hours worth of work in before anybody else was working. I'd get a workout in. Um, that's that's changed slightly. You know, my daughter's not. She she was a great sleeper until she wasn't. <laughs> so now she once she started teething, so it's it's starting to go back to normal. But once she we we had a good six months there while she was teething, that was just a complete bear. So I moved my workout schedule to the evenings, which I really don't like doing. Mm-mm, me neither. Um, I like it. I like it in the morning instead. But you know you. Life gives you lemons, man. You make lemonade. You just figure exactly. out how to make it work. But but a morning routine is out of bed before 6, typically more like 5. Um, now, if she was up at 3 a.m., I'm not getting up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. You know, I'm going to sleep. But I have to be up to take my son to school. I take both my kids to school. I usually take, you know, meetings starting at about 8, 8.30, uh, one-to-one, whether it be recruiting or agent development or that kind of thing. And then I go into Mondays, I have team meeting. Um, I, meet my, I meet my management, my leadership, you know, usually around 9. I meet the, re- the balance of the team around 10. Um, starting at about 11, I go about the rest of my day. I spend about another two, three hours working on my personal production. And then the bulk of the afternoon is more free flow. Like I'm either showing, I'm either taking appointments to list property. Uh, I'm you know, checking on investments, I'm checking on our renovation projects, you know, going to closings. And then sometimes you have random stuff in the day, like doing a podcast. Comes up, it comes up. You know, I I found that, you know, a a, a nice hack for scheduling. Number one, this is not a hack. This is, this is the way of doing things. If you don't have a schedule and it's not in your schedule, you just can't be efficient. Now, maybe, maybe what you do doesn't require supreme efficiency. What I do does. 100%. So, so everything is in my calendar. I mean, I could show is you. That, is that the calendar right there? No, this is just going? this is just handwritten notes. I'm very digital, mm-hmm. but but there's something oh, there's something. Are you Google Calendar? I'm a I'm a GCal. Yeah, I'm, GCal. I'm a, yeah, GCal. Shorten it up. Um, but like, for example, this appointment right here is definitely in my calendar. But like, I mean, this is this the first three days of this week. Jesus. Okay. The last two days, not quite. That's the weekend, but that's so, next week already. I mean, dude, I am, I'm, I'm locked yeah. in. So for everyone that couldn't see that, that basically looked like because it was color coded. It he is color coded. A handful of paint and splattered it on a. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the the color coding, and I'll get back to the hack here in a minute. But the, the color coding is very important to me because at a glance I can tell. And, and I, I do this in some of the speaking I do. I think that's very important because the colors correspond to thing to certain types of activities. So gray is work-related activities. Royal blue is personal activities. So I, at a glance, or even subconsciously, can look at my calendar and tell how much I'm spending on different things. Right? Yellow needs attention. So if a if a cal- if a calendar item gets gets scheduled. Uh, and needs me to come back and address, like whether it's a tentative scheduling or something like that, it, I leave mm-hmm. it in yellow, and which is the default color when you schedule on mobile. Oh, gotcha. So, but but that's such a good idea. I go back and color code, man. I mean, it, it really is helpful. So the hack I was talking about, if you so you figure out wherever you're most productive, 
okay, whether that be home, work from home, whether that be at a coffee shop or at an office, um, and and sc- schedule yourself in those places at times that you are going to be most productive. But also look at not disrupting your time that you're physically in that location. Okay? So if I get if I know that I'm getting to the office at 8 a.m. because I don't have a coffee meeting that day, um, I'm not going to – the earliest appointment outside the office that I'm going to schedule after I make it to the office is going to be around lunch. Okay? And then – Basically, if I don't have an appointment at lunch, then I'm going to schedule it for last thing in the day. So I have these segments where I, if once I make it to the office, I'm trying to keep a good three-hour stretch at the office without disrupting that so productivity. So three hours of very productive. Very productive time versus if I'm going to be out, I'm going right. to stack appointments. So if I've got a noon, I'm going to – like I've got a 1.30 conference call today. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm, so I'm going to schedule – I'm going to schedule this meeting, which is so worked out the time that we were scheduled to meet, just ahead of my 1.30 conference call. Then I got my 1.30 conference call, which I'm going to take remotely, which is fine. I don't have to be at the office for that. And then I'm going to check on a couple of my investment properties, and then I'm going to make it back to the office by, you know, 3 o'clock, and I'm going to spend the balance of the day there. Gotcha. Do you so, see what I'm yeah, saying? I love the stacking. And, and I like stacking appointments. It, it's, it's challenging if your appointments aren't concise. But usually you can work around it that way. So my most productive piece, my most productive place is at the office when I'm in my office with the door shut, knowing what I'm doing. Um, In the mornings, it may be at my dining room table. But I'm I'm, I'm practicing those same sort of, those same sort of practices. I'm not going to take a 10 a.m. and then a 12.30 and then a 2.30 and then a 5. Like those four appointments just destroyed my entire day. But if I do an 8 a one, a two, a two thirty, and a five. That's 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 yeah, more momentum. That's five appointments, right. but I've been able to conduct more appointments with more efficiency. Instead of uh, having that huge break where you lose momentum. Yeah, that one hour private, break yeah. really crushes. Exactly. You. No, I feel that one hundred percent. So it, yeah, no, I completely. That's a very good point. I use personal. I personally write it down, but yeah. I really like that color coding, and I want to see how I can incorporate that. Yeah, it's. Um, um, I, I don't know. I, I also have to make my schedule available to a lot of people. Yeah. So people that work for me. That so it's know. easy to look at too. It's really easy. All this is that's all shared. Anything goes on there. My assistant has it immediately. And uh, when do you have any tips for people that want to start a business venture, entrepreneurship, real estate? Um, now that you've been through, and now you you had the full experience. Like yeah, you, you're probably one of the most experienced agents that I've met personally. Oh yeah. Um, well, if if I can give a piece of advice to real estate agents that want to start a brokerage, um, which which in and of itself, or or a team. I mean, mm-hmm. a team is kind of like a mini brokerage anymore. Um, you know, don't expect because you're a really good real estate agent, don't expect to be a really good business person automatically. It's a completely different skill set. It requires different things. Uh, you have to have a different approach. You can be both good at both things, but don't expect because you're good at generating revenue via commission dollars that you know how to run a good business. Um, to business owners in general, my advice is simply know your strengths and weaknesses and if your strengths are not the details surround yourself with someone who with people 
or one person in particular or take a partner that is really good at the details because you know i think i have an i have um a decent enough skill set at running a business but i'm not a taskmaster i i'm i'm naturally not a taskmaster i've made myself yeah, I was like that looks pretty taskmaster well i've made myself into someone who can be very efficient but my my greatest skills are in leading inspiring training people um my wife yeah my wife is so are you familiar with the disc profile no, no. Okay, so it's a personality profile assessment. Oh, okay, maybe. Um, okay. And some people may have heard of Myers-Briggs or, yeah. you know, some mm-hmm. of those, uh, you know, similar tests. But the DISC profile puts you in one of four categories. It's, it's, it's made up of a, without getting too much into that, it put, it's made up of a, of a natural and an adaptive assessment in, one of, in all four categories. So each person possesses a certain percentage of each individual quality, the D being more your type A, personality, the I being more interrelational, um, expressive kind of um, outgoingness, um, the S being steady, stability, stable, routine, works within a framework kind of situation, and the C being more compliance and detail orientation. So the D and the S are complete polar opposites in most cases. So anybody that has a really high D usually has a low S. I'm a high, high D but also a high I. So I'm like, I'm a type A, but I like to interact. My wife is a high D, high C compliance detail orientation. So we make a very formidable duo when starting a business because I can inspire, lead, train, and communicate. She's up the back. And she's, you know, but she's also got the right. high D backbone, but the but the behind the scenes detail orientation. And I've really, really thrived as a result of having that support. You know, she may not have been the one to go out and find the business, so you definitely need both. Um, But I may not have been able to process the amount of business that I could generate without her support. So uh, you were mentioning the personality type. So you kind of find what people best fit what situations they best work in yeah because some people think that they're better in one and then they don't perform very well but then you show them yeah with we, 45 people you're a good leader so oh, we 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 very much prescribe to their the fact that it's a mix of nature nurture right i mean you are definitely endowed with certain qualities characteristics and pr- propensities um they may or may not be congruent with your with with your likes and dislikes I just want people to know what their tendencies are. Um, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, but you want to be a real estate right. agent. If you're willing to, to do what it takes to shore up your weaknesses, your natural shortcomings, in order to achieve that success, I'm here to help you. But I think it's, I think it's foolish not to recognize that each person does have strengths and weaknesses. Right, exactly. And, and while it doesn't define you, no, no, n- never would, um, it, it does affect you. And so that that's kind of where I'm at. I, I mean, I had to come to grips with the fact that I wasn't the most well qualified to run the back end of a business. I had to support myself with there. And, and each and every hire for a business owner, um, you know, is important to understand those same characteristics. Yeah, 45 people is probably, like, how long did it take to build up that 45? Because that's a well, that's that's agents. I mean, we have probably 15 employees um, in addition to that. And so 45 agents took us two years. 
Um, I went from I, 2018, we doubled, we more than doubled in size. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of, I'm kind of being a lot more selective with, with who we bring on because I feel we've built a great mm-hmm. office culture and a really exciting company. And I, I don't want to jeopardize what we have. Right. You're st- keeping it tight now. Well, yeah. I mean, I, people ask me how big we want to get. There's no number. Yeah. It's all the right people and none of the wrong ones. Like I want no negative energy. And if if you're the right person, I'll. If I find ten of them tomorrow, I'll add ten. Um, it's just got to be the yeah, right. Ten people. of the right people. Ten of the right people. All the right ones, none of the wrong ones. That's what I want. So a little bit of a twist from that question. I just hit the camera. Uh, right. But how have you overcome hardships in your time? And like, do you have any tips or what's kind of like your mindset when you get into those hard times or going through surviving through the 2008 crash or like when you had little hardships and maybe starting up business podcast whatever yeah um i tell our agents every day that activities are more controllable than results and so if you can define your kpis you know your key performance indicators like if you're in sales you know what that means but you know for us the more people we meet with that new people unique people okay the more people we meet with that are interested in transacting real estate the more homes we're going to sell right period point blank so what leads to those meetings well conversations phone calls you know you know i i threw 12 client parties in 2018 it was our year of the client we, we threw 12 appreciation events for our past clients. Dang, that's big. Yeah, I mean, one a month. It was like, it was gnarly to try and pull off, but we did it. And so with that, that's a KPI. Like, if I see a bump in the number of appointments, um, and here I could show you my spreadsheet, and I've told you I wasn't a taskmaster, and I completely contradict myself by showing you this, but I didn't build all this. Um, but my point is if I can show you a bump in appointments, then chances are there's going to be a bump in production that follows. Right. So my advice to any business owner through hardship is know your activities, narrow it down to the individual activities that produce the greatest result and laser focus in on that one activity and, and produce it with consistency and your results will follow. Like, it's 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 that simple right so don't just fill your calendar up just so to be busy because then you're going to just be busy and tired yeah absolutely i mean you you got to know you know you got to know where where your business comes from and there's just there's so much analysis that goes into so many different running a business there's a ton but if you know what those kpis are that's great as far as like adversity and overcoming adversity i don't know man i i just for me, so my father used to really talk to me a lot about Napoleon Hill, right? And, and Think and Grow Rich. Have yeah, you read, I love that book. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. So he said that there were four things required to get anything you want in life. Number one was a burning desire. Uh, number two was a, mer- a mind closed against all negative. Number three was a mastermind. And number four was a plan and continuous action towards achievement. Now, can you tell this has been drilled into my head? Right. I love um, this. So for me, the desire was innate. It was instilled in me at an early age. I don't know what drives me, but it, I'm driven. And I think you should probably be doing something that you have that sort of drive towards. And if you don't, you're going to have a hard time overcoming obser- adversity because the drive is what pushes you through the adversity. I agree 100%. And I was, that was a question, too, is what's your favorite book? Would you say Think and Grow Witches? It's up there. 
Yeah, it's up there for sure. Um, you know, lots of lots of books. I mean, Think and Grow Rich is right up there. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki is a big one. Now he was a he was a real estate investor, so that's a little bit of a little bit of um, a bias. Yeah, that's a bias on my standpoint. Um, but I mean, it's still a good book. I'm a big fan. Um, I forget the the uh, Ben Mesrick. I'm a big fan. Now this is this dates me a little bit because I think the last book he wrote was called The Accidental Billionaires, which was about the founding of Facebook. He wrote books about fictional, like based in fi- like fictional based in reality. Uh, what's what is that called? Um, basically, he wrote books about real people, but then he fictionalized them. Oh, to make, yeah, okay. to make it more interesting. But it, like like the movie Twenty One about oh, the yeah. uh, MIT card counters. Like he wrote books about uh, about young, like world beating kind of entrepreneurial types, and and that that really got me excited at a younger age. You know, man, I have a hard time to be quite honest reading as much as I'd like to these days because my kids. But, oh yeah, that and time. Like, it well, takes I have time. no time. I have no time for that. And uh, your schedule, like, if something isn't bringing you like a value, well, reading's gonna bring you value, but that's like audiobooks in the car or podcasts yeah, on the treadmill. Yeah, that's or, why those have gotten so much more popular than reading. People yeah. still read, but I think Audible and Audible's great. Um, you know, sponsor. Yeah. That he said, um, Ro, Ro, Mark Robert's um, is is a HubSpot uh, HubSpot guy, digital marketing firm. Um, anything he anything he does is really good. Um, he's a, he's a whiz kid in the digital marketing era. Gary V's, I'm a big fan of Gary V. Um, you know, there's some real estate related folks. Tom Ferry is a yep. real estate coach and trainer that I'm uh, very have, clo- smart, have, yeah. have a close personal relationship you've with. you've met him I have. he's up there yeah. i have yeah we're a coaching client i'm a coaching client my team gets coached oh, by, by his organization um he he's what about he's grant cardone he's grant cardone i'm a fan of um i don't do, i don't agree with him on everything i know he's very uh i tell you where he, you want me to tell you where i think he's got it right for sure is that eight to twelve hundred dollar a month rental property will never go out of style yeah, it's very like it will never go out of style. Yeah, as that can many help doors, so many people. as many doors as you can buy in the eight hundred to twelve hundred, if it positive cash flows, um, financed at favorable rates, golden. Yeah, that's some passive income, right? How there. do you how do you how do you go wrong? It's it's too liquid, it's too you can't get hurt. I mean, now anybody who has bad business, I mean, because that's a business. Don't kid yeah. yourself. You can't operate with bad business practices. Because yeah, you still gonna get a either. Uh, LLC, you have to still like back it as a business. There's you, still you have money to take care of the property. Taxes. You have to you have to Taking screen your tenants. You have to collect. You have to have you know you know risk protection. You have to have insurance. Yeah. You have to. There's a lot of things that you have to make sure of. But if you do it right, you shouldn't. The market shouldn't hurt you. Right. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing now. Are moving toward it. Yeah. Um, that and a little things like uh, doing pr- uh, not pre-sales or doing like the pre-foreclosure. Yeah, wholesales. Wholesaling, I'm I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I know. I, I just hear a lot about it now. Well, there's a lot of money in it. it. It takes number one. I mean, it's it's another bias because it takes a lot of sales away from real estate agents. But, um, you know, I, all I'm all power to you if you can add value to the market. I just don't see what value that adds. Yeah, it's more of a middleman. If, for- if 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 um, if a property can be sold, let's just use round numbers. If a property can be sold for a hundred thousand. But I'm gonna buy. I can I can negotiate with someone to sell it to me for 85. I can flip it after adding no value for 92, and sell it to that person 
at an $8,000 discount mm-hmm. and I've made 7,000 in the process, what, what value is added? Because you could have hired a real estate agent, paid a 6% commission and as, as a seller and netted 94. I just don't understand that. Now that's presuming that those percentages hold, but most of what I see wholesalers, yeah, they take more than 6% out of the market. Right. That's crazy. So, so what, because you mentioned that sometimes you didn't really know what, you just know you had that heat in you to yeah. keep you going and you didn't yeah. really know the tick. Do you ever have like a mindset or do you have a quote that you just live by or that you always think about when you're in that moment waking up at 4.30 or 5, 6, whenever it is? No. I mean, there's nothing that really, I mean, I don't know. Not a quote. What goes on in Jay Pitt's head <laughs> at that time? like In the morning? Yeah, in the morning. I'm excited to have a little bit of me time, to be quite honest. It is, that's the quietest time um, of the day. It's the quietest time of the day. I don't have people chasing me. I don't have kids asking for breakfast. I don't, you know, I, I don't have to do chores around the house. I don't have to right. solve problems for an agent whose closing is not going to go if I if we don't solve this problem. It, it, it allows me to work on my business. As, as cliched as that has become, like, it allows me to work on my business rather than in it those times. You know, I, you know, drink a cup of coffee and I can focus That's on the things that I want. two hours of just... Yeah, just quiet. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, a big quote, and this is, um, this is not a quote that, of anyone else. This is something I think about a lot that I, I mean, it may have been said similarly, but something I, I'm not aware of anybody yeah, having famous. This is, this is in my head something that I came up with for myself that I think allows me to keep a proper context. I tell myself often that the measure of a leader is the quality of people that choose to follow them. And I am enormously humbled by the quality of the people that choose to follow me. And so I, I just always want to measure up to that standard. And wow, I like that. I like that. And, and like I said, it's not a quote from Mark Twain or anything you know, right. that I read. This is something I came up with in my own mind. And I share it with my people. I share it via social. And I think I uh, hear some sort of quotes in the resource. I probably said it on there. Yeah. I say things a lot, man. I say, I say, I say, I I quote my dad a lot. Um, Was he a big like inspiration? He, he, a huge inspiration. Yeah. I mean, he is, my dad um, would, it would tell you that he's an inherently negative person or was, and so he had to make himself into a positive person. And my dad is a very un- has a very uncompromising personality. Um, he was he was he was just like on fire. He's that kind of person. Um, Yet at a much younger age, before he mellowed a bit, he was just that that kind of like you did not want to get on his bad side. Um, but he was a very inspirational figure to me. And he showed me how much you can accomplish by being uncompromising, frankly. Um, but he also knew when he had to compromise. And he made himself into a much more positive person because he saw the value in it. And so a lot of that for him was repetition. And his repetition was he wasn't saying it for you to hear it. He was saying it for himself to hear it. Why do you think being a positive person adds so much value? Um, 
I think people just want to deal with a positive person. They don't want to feel scared or afraid or right. annoyed by, you know, someone else's, whatever energy someone else brings to a situation. You don't want to make a situation worse. Yeah, man, I, I will tell you this. Um, here's a quote for you. Um, I like it. In order, to be, in order to be inspiring, you must first be inspired. And I tell myself that a lot as well because um, even if I'm having a bad day, 45 agents stake their livelihood um, on being able to sell real estate and support their family, and they show up to be led by me every day. And so if I, if I show up and I've got a bad attitude or I'm not inspiring to them, then they're not going to be with me very often, very long. So I really just think that um, I think that keeping that in mind like, it's really easy to let somebody be affected by you negatively, but it's 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 hard to affect someone positively. And that's very true. So so, if you can manage that, you can make a lot of difference. I love that. Just being who I am, I think, helps my people. And and if it doesn't, then what, why yeah. am I doing it? And it really shows. Like it shows like through results. Yeah, that's true. Like. Words mean a little bit, but like your results really speak like how yeah. good of a leader you are with you you know what you know something else that you should consider also is how much more your words mean after your results show for right. themselves you know it's um we call it social proof so Ooh, like when, when you can when you can show someone so if you tell someone mm-hmm. I'm great, it means a lot more than me telling them I'm great, but if I can show someone where someone else has said I'm great. Um, my words mean a lot in that situation. That's so crazy. So one final little question here is yeah. what's one of the proudest moments that you've had so far in success or one of the moments where you're like, dang, I'm so like in such a good spot right now. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, I've not arrived. Um, oh, yeah, not like uh, being like, oh, I'm so successful kind of thing. But no, like, no. Or just be like, oh, I'm just, you just look around and you're like, wow, I'm actually. Oh, dude, I, I will say, um. The thing, probably the most proud moment I've had. So we, we two, two moments, um, two moments that I've been most proud of in my real estate career is we take we take our um, a, a group of individuals to our annual international conference every year. And this year I took. Where's that? It's typically in Vegas. So it's a little bit of fun while you're there. Um, so I took, um, I took four agents out with me this year. Um, that made at least a quarter million dollars last year, um, and two of them made over five hundred. And for to to be able to have a company that allows, and it's not all about money, man. Money right. is just it's just an easy scoreboard, right? It's true. And, and scoreboard for for, for, an, for next athlete, for next athlete, you know, that's scoreboards are important for me because I'm a competitive person by nature. But to be able to take those people out there and celebrate their success was really amazing. In addition to that, coming home and shortly thereafter holding our 2018 company awards and being able to celebrate so, so many good people that didn't necessarily have to sell half a million dollars worth of you know commissions, um, but that had an enormous amount of success in their own right. Many of them making over six figures, you know, too many to really even list. Um, out of 45, I mean, I'm just very blessed to be able to lead some really good people. That's so awesome. So really your proud moment was seeing 
the success that you help other people succeed too. Absolutely. But well, and, and I'm proud. I mean, my numbers were great too. I'm not going to, right. You know, I'm not going to be most proud of that though. But you don't sound like someone that likes to over brag about it. Like, no, it, it wasn't. My numbers were great. My team, I would, I mean, we sold $50 million worth of real estate last year. That's my personal sales team, my personal sales practice. And I say that number because, um, I want to celebrate them because I have, you know, now more than then, but 15 individuals that work directly for me in my personal sales business that are, that are, you know, raising the bar every single day. But, um, it's, it's not about me getting to lead those people is just as important and, and, and celebrating their successes at our company awards was, was pretty amazing. That's so crazy. Um, that's so awesome that you have just helped so many people with the success and you're not one of those people that you're like, well, success is all mine. And then you hold it. And that's really cool. No, I mean, it, but you, you know, it's not completely like, you know, it's not completely like charitable or, yeah, you know, well, I, I mean, no, it's competitive. I, I help myself by helping right. them. My success is rooted in mm-hmm. their success. You know, I mean, yeah, I wish not, it, not, I yeah. wish it was magnanimous completely, but it's not, I'm not independently wealthy. I have to, yeah. Make a profit to stay in business. It's business. But the better they do, the better I do. Yeah. Per- makes sense. Yeah. That's that's just a business. You can't like give it's give no, and take, I mean, give it's, and take. It is give and take. You know, I know here's another one for you. I want to constantly take a smaller piece of a bigger pie. Gosh, as that's a, a good good perspective to put it, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> for just I said the I time. didn't have any quotes, but then I, you I just bring spit out all, like eight <laughs> quotes. That's why I just have to give you time to talk and let them shoot out. Get me wound up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man.